take very long for Major League Soccer to remind us just how unpredictable it can be. This is the SBI Show. Hello everybody, I'm Ivis Skolarsip and it's Tuesday, a few days removed from a, a crazy week two in, in MLS and uh, there's so many uh, games to talk about, so many uh, unpredictable results to, to touch on. Uh, we'll be uh, diving into that and uh, obviously we'll, as usual, we'll, we'll discuss uh, latest in Americans abroad, U.S. national team, we'll talk a little European soccer, uh, plenty to touch on on, the, and on this show. Uh, it's me again by myself. Uh, we'll work out some guest hosts and some guests uh, hopefully for our next show, but uh, it'll just be me today and uh, we'll start off with this past weekend. Uh, I can't tell you how many different game, uh, results were just crazy and were just not what many would expect. Uh, and we'll start off in, in Texas with the Houston FC Dallas match. Uh, not to say people didn't think Houston had a chance in this one, but I don't know anyone, even in Houston, who thought uh, we'd see a 5-0 Houston victory. But credit to the Dynamo. They uh, they really put a beating on FC Dallas. And FC Dallas helped them a bit with that as well, with some of the mistakes that they made in this match. But oh, full credit to the Dynamo. They look legit. They look like the real deal. And uh, I've been saying it for a while now that I think their attack is, is probably as good as it's been in Houston in years. And uh, they showed that on on Saturday, no doubt about it, against an FC Dallas defense that uh, should be one of the best in the league. But when you have a player like Matt Hedges, who's normally one of the top defenders in the league, when you have him have just a complete shocker uh, the way that he did, uh, it makes things tough. And, and, and again, he wasn't alone. Uh, the goalkeeper, Jesse Gonzalez, uh, struggled as well. But again, credit to Houston. And how about Andrew Wenger, uh, a guy who is, uh, he's bounced around a bit since being uh, the number one pick in the draft. He started off in Montreal. He was in Philly. Didn't quite settle in uh, with with the union. But now he's moved on to Houston, and he's looking like he's, uh, he's found his home there. And uh, he was outstanding. Uh, he was my player of the week in MLS. Uh, I think I think most people would agree, even though there were quite a few uh, player of the week worthy performances this week. I thought Wenger stood out the most. Uh, he uh, he was excellent, just a real terror on the right wing, uh, and, and he wasn't alone. He wasn't the only player. Several uh, Dynamo players had outstanding games. David Horst, Demarcus Beasley, Ricardo Clark, uh, you name it. There were there were so many. Will Bruin. Uh, just a real thorough performance by uh, Owen Coyle's team, and, and right now they're looking pretty good. And just to think that they're they're only a few seconds away from being 2-0 and right now. Uh, it's easy to forget that Daigo Kobayashi equalizer that kept them from winning in the opener. Uh, but Houston, they're, they're looking really tough. And if you're FC Dallas, uh, it's just a game you have to forget. It's just a game you write it off and say, you know what, it's, 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 a one, it's one loss. It was ugly. 
but it, hopefully it's it's something that you learn from and, and definitely from a communication standpoint, uh, the defense definitely needs to work on communicating. Um, and Justin Gonzalez, it's, it's one of those games that you're going to have from a young goalkeeper. So uh, I wouldn't go panicking too much uh, as far as FC Dallas goes. I think they'll be fine, but it, it was an ugly one. And uh, if you're Oscar Pereja, you'd rather have the, a game like this at the very beginning of the season than later in the season because it gives you plenty of time to build off of that and, and, and kind of take your lessons away from that. But big statement victory by the Houston Dynamo. Uh, and it was one of many statement victories in the Western Conference. And, and the next one we obviously have to discuss is San Jose. They defeated the Portland Timbers 2-1, uh, to one, handing Portland their first loss since the beginning of October. Uh, crazy to think how long it's been since Portland suffered a loss. And again, for my money, this was the game of the week. I called it. I said this was going to be a great game, and, and, it, and it turned out to be. And credit to San Jose. Uh, you know, their defense, once again, uh, showing that it's one of the best in the league. They really uh, did their best to, to try to contain that dangerous Portland attack. And how about San Jose, you know, putting some goals on the board as well. And that Quincy Amarqua goal, early goal of the year candidate, uh, the long-range chip. Uh, you can't say enough about about a goal like that, especially to come just before halftime. Uh, just a real momentum builder for them. Uh, and they were just excellent. And, you know, Portland, Portland's going to be fine. I don't think anyone in Portland's panicking. I'm pretty sure Kale Porter's not panicking. Uh, you know, you face a good opponent on the road. And, uh, you know, what can you do when a player scores from 40 on a chip like that? That's uh, You just have to, you know, take your hat off to him. Uh, but, again, for San Jose, uh, a real a real important victory just to kind of set a tone for them for, for what they're hoping is a year. That gets them that they get when they get back into the playoffs, and there, and there were some outstanding performances here as well. When you look at a player like Anibal Godoy in the middle in the middle of the midfield for for San Jose, he was excellent. Uh, their their central defense was solid, obviously with Bernardes and Clarence Goodson, who you could argue was their man of the match. Uh, I thought he was outstanding as well. Uh, and then David Bingham uh, is really putting together a solid year. You know, it's two weeks in, but he, he's been really really excellent. And, and is looking abs- looking like very much like a like a goalkeeper of the year uh, candidate for them. So as far as Port- as far as Portland goes, they're going to create their chances. They just have to put them away, and uh, you know they came out a little flat in this one. But yeah, I, th- I think they'll be fine, and uh, they'll they'll move on from here. But it's crazy to think that it's their first loss in since the beginning of October. Uh, that that before they went on their their amazing run to the MLS Cup last year, and then and obviously they won their opener, but. They'll be back, and they'll still, for my money, they'll still be one of the top teams in the league. And uh, those are just the first two right off the bat. Those are just two uh, of, of the pretty crazy results. Uh, for me, maybe the most surprising result of the weekend was the Columbus Crew at home taking on the Philadelphia Union, a team that, that from, I can't remember the last time, if they'd ever even won uh, in in Columbus. And, and the Union came away with a, with a 2-1 victory. Chris Pontius with the two goals for them, and uh, already looking like a pretty good pickup. I know I know some folks in, in DC were a little uh, sarcastic. Some fans in DC that 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 were, were were you know wanted to get on Pontius a bit and say it was the right time to let him go, and that he didn't have he he didn't offer much. They didn't they they were like they weren't sad to see him go, but I tell you what, he still has something left, and he showed it in this game for sure. That you know I thought when they signed, I thought when the Union signed him, I thought it was a good pickup and. Right now, he's looking very like a very good pickup for them. And uh, credit to, to Jim Curtin uh, having his team rebound after a pretty forgettable performance against FC Dallas in the opener to have them go to Columbus and take on a really tough Columbus team. And think about that schedule. If you're the union, you start off the season at FC Dallas, 
at Columbus. I mean, who? I mean, who? Who are the schedule? I, I guess the schedule makers aren't big fans of, of the Union to, to give them that that tough uh, first two games. You can't get much tougher than that uh, for first two games, uh, and they come away with the three points. Big, big for them. And as far as Columbus Crew, how about the Columbus Crew? Being 0-2, uh, a team that a lot of people, including myself, uh, liked is, as a supporter shield frontrunner. Uh, and here they are with, with zero points from the first two games. And again, it's too early to panic, uh, but it is. It, it was interesting. It has been interesting to see them have their struggles at the, at the beginning of this year. Losing to Portland, there's nothing to, nothing to be ashamed of. But to come home and, and really just be flat in the way, be as flat as they were in this game. Uh, there's really no excuse for it, and Kai Kamara, you know, he, Kai Kamara did get on the scoreboard. He did get his goal late, but w- once again, not finishing all of his chances. And and, not, uh, and look, no one's 100 percent forward. But as we said, for as we're gonna say, I think every episode um, when it comes to the crew, you're million, you're the million dollar man now. You're the designated player now. You got to put your chances away. And uh, he he definitely uh, could have scored more than one goal on this one. Uh, but again, it wasn't it wasn't all on him by any means. Uh, I think it was a there were quite a few disappointing performances uh, around for the crew, and and you know it's it's time for Greg Berhalter. I'm sure Greg Berhalter will be cracking the whip this week, and and will be looking to potentially shake some things up. It's not it, again, as we say, it's week two. You don't panic, but at the same time, when you have a team like the crew, as deep as they are, I uh, I think he has options that if he wants to shake up his lineup, maybe he shakes up his lineup and and kind of sends a message uh to 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 the group that you know what uh we can't afford to 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 be too flat coming out of this out of the gates here to start the season um so i mean they obviously have big aspirations i'm sure they want to win an mls cup win a supporter shield and 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 you can't give you can't give points away especially in a match when you were you know clear-cut favorites uh coming into this one but uh again it's it's early and I'm sure the crew will, will look to build off of that or, or learn from this one. And as far as the union goes, Andre Blake, how about him? He's He's been outstanding. Another good game from him in goal for, for the union. And uh, I, I'm very interested to see how they build off of this big victory on the road. And uh, the moving on, the, the game that I was at uh, this weekend uh, on Sunday at Yankee Stadium, New York City FC taking on, uh, taking on Toronto FC. It finished a 2-2 tie. And uh, Patrick Vieira's first match at home at Yankee Stadium, and he trots out the three-four-three. I know people. I know a lot of people were probably surprised by that, uh, just because we don't see uh, the three-man back line too often in MLS. Uh, in my years of covering the league, uh, I can only recall a few instances. I mean, if we want to go way back, I can take it back. It's actually not the first time that a New York team has done it. Uh, the Metro Stars did it back in uh, 2000 under Octavio Zambrano. Uh, they used to play the three-five-two. They 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 had uh, back when they it, you had Daniel Hernandez, Steve Jolly, Mike Petke in the back, and then uh, and then Lothar Mateus uh, eventually came as well. And they they uh, you know they did all right with that formation with that three-five-two. But we haven't seen that since really in the league, uh, not not over a long period of time. So it was interesting, and, and we know Patrick Vieira was going to bring something different to the league from a tactical standpoint, and he, and he talked about it even last week that you know he's not going to be afraid to take chances and, and, to, and to be try try some things, and, and clearly right away he he, he tries the three four three, and it had mixed results. I think overall, I think he'll be happy with with what he saw. Um, and for people who might wonder why would he do that, why would he try, why would he play this system? It's pretty simple when you think about it. Number one. Yankee Stadium, the field of Yankee Stadium is a very narrow field. It's the most narrow in the league by 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 a bit, and uh, so there's less space there. So 
yeah, in terms of the wings, it's almost like there's not much, there's not not much room to operate as it is when you're talking about wide play. Uh, and then secondly, NYCFC is very deep uh, when it comes to central midfielders. So if you want to maximize that where where you're deepest and, and where you have the most options, and you also have a narrow field where wide play isn't as prominent as it would be another on a, on wider on some wider fields. Then you kind of understand. Okay, th- th- this makes sense now. You want you want to tap into your strength. Uh, you know, put when you want to think about putting your best possible squad out there to to play in those conditions. So it makes sense. It, 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 the the thing is though, it's risky when you when you play a three man defense. Uh, you're really putting a lot of pressure, especially on your center back, your, your your lone center back there. Jason Hernandez was there. He did the job this time, and he, he was pretty solid, I thought. I mean, I don't, I don't think he was terrible. I thought he was pretty solid. Uh, Frederick Briant had his struggles. He had a couple of bad plays for them. He actually had a hand in both the goals that they gave up uh, to Toronto FC in the comeback. And that's where, if you're NYCFC, you got to be disappointed because when you're leading 2-0, you want, you want to be able to put that away, put a match away. And, they, you know, credit to TFC and Sebastian Javinko, he always finds a way. Uh, and he did that. He uh, he did his thing once again, and uh, a goal and an assist uh, for him for the reigning MLS MVP. And if you're Toronto, you're feeling pretty good. Uh, four points from two games uh, in the New York area, and uh, it, it's a it, it's a great start for them on a what was is going to be an eight match eight game road trip for them while T- while their home stadium uh, uh, gets renovated. So TFC, you know their defense. Uh, it showed some. It wasn't as strong as it was against the Red Bulls, but again, obviously, one of the goals there was a question mark. When you look at the two goals, you can say, "Oh well, the two NYCFC goals there were some questions. One was a penalty, and the other would look like there was a handball." And and I know I know TFC fans were not happy with the handball. Um, it, it, I understand why. I could see why the key, the, the the referee missed it just from his vantage point. It kind of I could see how it looked like potentially that Steve that Stephen Bateshore had headed it down and that via that it didn't hit via. For me, I mean, I, I don't know if via necessarily tried to play that ball. I feel like the ball came down and it hit him in the arm, uh, up by the shoulder. So I mean, I don't know. Like I, it, it's a you can call it for sure. If if, he, if they had called a handball, that would have been fine. Uh, but in terms of oh, this is like the worst call ever. Definitely not, especially in MLS. You see a lot. There were a lot. There were worse calls this weekend than that one. I thought, um, but it is what it is. Uh, it ended up tied, which I thought is a pretty fair result, just just in terms of the way the match went. Uh, if you're in YCFC and you have your four points from two matches, you're not too upset about that either. So, I think you have two teams right now that'll take their first two weeks. They'll take the four points that they've both accrued, and uh, they'll both look to build off of that. So, uh, moving on back to the Western Conference, we have Real Salt Lake in Seattle. Real Salt Lake continuing to show that they're a team that's going to be a much tougher team this year than they were last year. And they, and they defeated the Seattle Sounders, the Owen to Seattle Sounders. Uh, and it, it was, uh, you know, an interesting game. Seattle, just, once again, they didn't, they didn't look their best. Uh, they did create some chances. Um, but RSL credit to them again with it, with another solid, it was solid performance. I wouldn't say they necessarily, uh, outplayed Seattle. Uh, but they did, they did enough to win that game. And, uh, it's if you're Jeff Kassar, you're feeling pretty good about the way your season is starting and the way the team's looking. Uh, I think that uh, before before the Champions League quarterfinals, I think most people would have written off RSL uh, as being a factor this year. But you know what? I think they're, they're they've shown now. They've shown now in a couple of games that that you know they're they're ser- they're serious. They're for real. And you know, when you look at this game against Seattle, I mean they they had the sh- 
they outshot them. Uh, they, they, it, it, things were pretty even in terms of possession. Uh, it was a pretty even game. Uh, but again, it, it comes down to who scores the goals. And Seattle, uh, Seattle drew first blood. But then, you know, right before halftime, again, giving up goals before halftime, such a gut punch. And uh, you, you saw that quite a bit this week. And, and, and when their RSL midfielder, Sonny, uh, heads that goal in just before halftime, I think obviously that's a big, big turning point for them. And then you had the, the controversy late in the game with Hamas and Olave. Did he or did he not foul uh, the Seattle, Tyler Miller, Seattle goal? I, I, for me, I didn't see the problem with it. Um, he went up strong and he got it. I, 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 you know, I'm sure some fans, I'm sure many fans in Seattle will we'll feel like, oh, you know, there should be a foul. But, you know what, I got no problem with that at all. I thought I thought, uh, I thought it was a clean play. But, you know, we could, we could agree to disagree on that. But RSL with the victory in Seattle, 0-2 start. And I know people are going to definitely point to the fact that, you know, you, you sell Obafemi Martins, and now here you are, you're 0-2. What do you do? Where do you go from here? And, and you know what, the pressure is going to start to build. Now, Siggy Schmidt, he came into this year with a lot of uh, – with a lot of pressure to perform, and and obviously the fact that you lose an Obafemi Martins might might give you a little leeway, but you know what? If you're Seattle, you need to, you need to start uh, figuring out who you're going to bring in as a replacement, and it's that time uh, to really get serious about about uh, signing a designated player uh, to fill that spot that Martins left. And you know if if it's not going to be a forward, as I keep saying over and over, you have to go get yourself a playmaker. And I think when you watch this game, if you watch the Seattle RSL game. You saw a Seattle team that kind of needs some creativity in the middle. I, I think for what they have on that team, that is that's that's where you need the help. That's I think if you give yourself a playmaker, you allow Dempsey to play more in a more advanced role, and then uh, and, and it just I think it's just a good fit because right now you know a player like Dempsey really works well with somebody that can he can combine with and someone who can who can keep the ball on the ground and right now they're kind of relying just working the wings and working wide and hoping that Dempsey can create some magic but uh, I don't know I think they're I think they're missing that 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 spark in the middle and they need to and they need to use that designated player slot so the if they wait till the summer to to fill that then uh you know by then who knows who knows where the team stands in terms of the the, the western conference which is going to be very tough this year obviously so, uh, so we'll see. I mean, I think Seattle will be fine. I know that you owe to start might, might, might start to make people a little nervous. Uh, they, they'll be back. They return, uh, they play Vancouver, another Owen two team in, in a game that all of a sudden, uh, has even more riding on it than normal for that Cascadia rivalry. But I think Seattle will be all right. I think they'll be fine. Um, I think they'll, uh, you know, once, the, as they get Rom- Roman Torres back, Obviously, they didn't have Brad Evans. He was injured for this one. But uh, once they get the full strength and once they add that that D, that DP, um, I think they'll be okay. The question is, how long will they have to wait for that? Moving back to the Eastern Conference, and we have the Montreal Impact, one of the teams that's starting off 2-0. They defeated the New York Red Bulls uh, 3-0, another strong showing for Mauro Biello's side. And the Impact, 2-0 without Didier Drogba. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, all the people who were, were kind of upset or worried about the fact that Didier Drogba was missing games early on uh are starting to look at this Montreal team and realize you know what they're pretty good they're not just the Didier Drogba and uh, you know it's not Didier Drogba and 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 a you know cast of spare parts it's actually a very good team and uh it's scary to think how they'll be when they get Drogba back because uh, I think uh the confidence that's bu- being built in these kind of early early victories is gonna is gonna carry over they will get Drogba back 
And when they do, I mean, watch out because they, they've already shown with Ignacio Piatti. You have Dominic Duro, obviously, in good form. Harry's ship is fit right in for them. Uh, and this, this victory against the Red Bulls was a, was a really strong one because, uh, you know, there, there's no fluke here. It's a pretty, pretty convincing uh, second half for them, especially. They really turned it on. And, and as far as the Red Bulls go, uh, the, their defense just absolutely collapsed in the second half. And Giddy and Ba, uh, I, I tell you what, it was crazy because in the first half, I thought he looked good. And obviously in the opener uh, against TFC, I thought he was solid. So as we head into halftime of that game against Montreal, you're like, you know what? The Red Bulls have to be pretty happy with this guy. Because, uh, you know, they, they, they you lose Matt Miazga, you sell Matt Miazga to Chelsea, and you're thinking, okay, we need to find a replacement and he's look. He was looking very much like that guy, and then the second half happened, and he looked lost. I mean, I don't know what happened here. He 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 just was. It was night and day. And uh, you know, he 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 was really. He's a little too casual with the ball. He turns it over on one of the goals, and then he was pretty much uh, in no man's land on on, on their other goals. So it, it was really an ugly game for him. And let's talk about the Red Bulls' attack. Where is it? Uh, I mean, I know they sold Miazga to Chelsea, but did they sell their goals too? I mean, what's going on? They, they have zero goals in two games. And we're talking about the number one scoring team in the league last year. Number one. And wasn't it wasn't even close. They 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 buy, buy they they were the highest scoring team in the league last year. I thought they would be better this year, but here they are, zero goals from two games. I know it's I know it's early to panic. But come on, I don't. I, what's going on here? Obviously, Gonzalo Verón, a guy who I thought would be a big part of their success this year in their attack, he's been out. Uh, he's back training now, and I think he'll be available for them for their next game uh, against uh, a big game coming up against Houston. So that that'll be a good one. Uh, but I mean, they still. I mean, you look at their attack; it's just, they still have enough pieces there that they shouldn't be getting shut out the first two games of the season. But again, uh, much like the Columbus Crew. The New York Red Bulls have coming to, into the year not really clicking. And, uh, you know, it, it's tough to say what that's about right now. Like, why, why isn't it clicking? Um, are, are people figuring them out? I know that's that's a popular uh, sentiment right now that maybe the Red Bulls have just kind of been found out now. And, and you know how to, how to deal with them, how to go at them. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if it's that. I just think they're, they're not playing well. I just think they... I don't know if it's so much what the opponents are doing. And that's not to take anything away from Montreal or Toronto, who both, you know, posted victories against them. But, I mean, when you look at it, the Red Bulls, they managed just three shots on goal uh, for the entire match. Um, and then in the possession battle, I mean, it was 50-50, pretty much 50-50. I mean, the Red Bulls are a team that's, you know, you, you think their midfield can control things, but, you know, that hasn't been the case for them. So... Uh, I'll, I'll be interested to see how Gonzalo Verón changes things for them, how he fits in. Uh, I, I'd imagine he's going to go right back, right into the lineup. If you're Jesse Marsh, you have zero goals in two games. You need to shake. You need to, you know, you need to make some changes or make a change. And I think Gonzalo Verón will, will be a guy who, who goes into the lineup and 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 definitely gives them a spark. Uh, as far as Montreal goes, they're just like, as we said, they're playing really well. Piatti's, you know, playing some of the best soccer in the league right now. Uh, how about Callum Malice? Uh, a bit of a an un- unsung player for for the impact. I thought he was thought he was really solid in this game, and uh, it's uh, for Montreal. They're 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 looking pretty strong right now. Uh, they should have Drogba back. They play. They have a really tough game next week against uh, FC Dallas. That's going to be a good test for them. Uh, having having Drogba for that one will be 
will obviously be big for them. So let's see if they can keep it rolling. Uh, moving on back to the Western Conference. We're going back and forth. We go east, west, east, west. Uh, Sporting Kansas City, another 2-0 team. Uh, I don't know. I, don't, I wouldn't say a surprising 2-0 team, but they're a 2-0 team after their victory over the Vancouver Whitecaps, an 0-2 Vancouver Whitecaps team. And Don Dwyer. Uh, with the with the with the breakout game here week two, I, I've been saying it since the preseason. I, I, I you know I have I don't want to say my doubts about Dwyer, but I, I have questions about Dwyer and that fact that he needs to be the guy for them this year. He needs to be a fifteen to twenty goal guy for them this year. And you know what? He looked it. He looked it in this game. He looked every bit like a guy you can lead, who can lead your attack. And once again, they were without Benny Philhaber, and, and uh, you know what? They didn't miss a trick. And Dom Dwyer. Excellent. He he was just man of the match by by far. Uh, excellent for them. And uh, if he's going to play like that, if he's going to be be that dangerous, uh, then yes, Kansas City is for real. They will be for real because their defense looks good too. Um, once again, uh, that's not a new thing. Casey's defense is always pretty solid, but uh, with Nuno Cuello there, he, he's looking like a, a, a great fit next to Matt Beasler. Uh, so things are looking pretty good uh, for, for for Sporting KC as far as Vancouver goes. Um, their, their attack is still, you know, it's not clicking and defensively Kendall Waston is not, he has not started the year, uh, like you would hope if you're a Whitecaps fan, if you're a Whitecaps, if you're a Whitecaps supporter, you figure, okay, Kendall Waston is, is our, our, our rock in the back. He's our just like immovable, you know, you know, unstoppable force in the back. And he's been, he's been, uh, he's, he's been underperforming. Let's just put it that way. He's. He he's been below par in each of these matches, and uh, he needs to get it together because without him at his best, I mean that white that Whitecaps defense suddenly becomes a lot less uh, less imposing. And uh, you know they have Tim Parker there. I like him a lot. Uh, I think he's going to come into his own. But I mean, Watson needs to get it together. Um, he can't. They can't afford to have him uh, break down the way he breaks down. And obviously, it wasn't totally his fault in that first goal on the Dom Dwyer blast. Uh, Davy Flores giving the ball away in midfield that really kind of set things going there uh you can't have that and that's the thing with vancouver they're a young team and carl robinson has let it be known that you know what he's gonna it's gonna be ride or die with my young guys and they have and they have to grow up and they have to but they're gonna get their chance and that's and that's the thing when you play when you go when you rely on young players and so many young players you you are susceptible or you are you leave yourself vulnerable to, to the whims of the young player, and young players struggle sometimes. Young players have have shockers. They they don't they don't you know they they don't, they're not always gonna be consistent. Um, so this Vancouver team, I don't know, I don't know. Are they a playoff team this year? I got, I, I kind of have my doubts right now. Uh, obviously, zero and two, you, it's easy to have your doubts, but you know, coming into the year, I wasn't so so sure about them and. Uh, Sporting Kansas City has answered absolutely an- started to answer some questions that I had about them, but I can't say the same about Vancouver. Jury is definitely still out on them. Uh, moving on now, another Western Conference clash: Colorado, LA. Another one of the surprising results of the weekend. You know, so- somewhat surprising, but at the same time, LA. I don't know what's up with LA. I think they're going to take they're going to need some time to get the- get it together. But Colorado with the one zero victory, Marco Papa with the stunning late game winner. For them in the in the final seconds of stoppage time, I know Bruce Arena was overjoyed at the extra, at the at the extra long stoppage time at the end of that one. And it, this was an ugly game. There's no other way to say it. It was it, it was a pretty ugly game. Uh, Colorado, you know, they had their chances. They could they could have scored a few 
in this one, but credit to uh, Brian Rowe in goal for L.A. I thought he was outstanding uh, in playing in place of the injured Dan Kennedy. And uh, L.A., man, uh, uh, you know what? That second half against D.C., I'm sure people are looking at that like, oh, this is the D- this is the L.A. we know. This is the high-scoring Galaxy attack that we've all come to expect. But that was a little bit of fool's goal there, I think. And now, you know, you go to you go to Colorado. It's not, it's not easy to play in Colorado. I mean, as bad as Colorado's been, it's still always a tough place to play when you go up to play you go play at altitude at Dick's Sporting Goods Park. And this was not a this was not a good game for for LA. I mean, LA, it, it, LA the LA Galaxy with the players that they have. When you think about you know uh, Jossie Zardes, obviously you know you have Robbie Keane, you have Mike McGee, Robbie Rogers, you have Sebastian Lejet. And you you manage one shot on goal. I mean that's just something that's unacceptable. And and credit obviously look credit to Colorado, their defense uh, was up to the task. But still, no excuse there. No excuse to 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 uh, be that flat. And and Colorado. I mean Colorado had the possession edge. I mean who who if you want to talk surprising? The result is surprising. But who 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 expects a sixty to forty or a fifty eight to forty two? possession edge for Colorado over LA I mean that's crazy when you think about it and I know so I, I don't know I mean it's early it's early for LA they a lot of new players they, they need to figure some things out they need to get to, to know each other as a group but that's that's not that's a, that's that's a, another pretty flat performance by them and uh you know you wonder how long it's going to take LA to to figure things out and how long it's going to take some of these new faces to settle in for them um, and if you're Colorado, you're, you're overjoyed that, you know, you, you, you follow up that, that opening loss to San Jose with a nice three pointer to give you some hope. And, and again, remember, this is a team that is, has Jermaine Jones on his way. Tim Howard is coming, is, is expected to come in the summer. Uh, so that, you know what, they, if they, if they can, uh, get some points now and, and, and build a little momentum. Once they add those extra pieces, watch out, right? I mean, they've already added some extra pieces or added some pieces this this winter, uh, when you talk about Shkels and Gashi, uh, he was obviously you know the big pickup. He's pretty much the main pickup for them. Uh, but then a player like Papa, uh, you have uh, so you know, Zach Pfeffer. So you know they've added some some interesting pieces there. So we'll see if they can if they can build off of that. So the, uh, but again, when you're if you're Colorado, anytime you can beat the Galaxy, that's a big win for you. So uh, you can understand why they were celebrating that one the way they did. Uh, moving on now, back to the Eastern Conference, and we have Color- we have Orlando City against the Chicago Fire, and this is one of those games where there's you know questions. And there were a few of these, a few games where uh, the officiating uh, left a little bit to be desired, and there was that play late in the game when when it looked like Kyle Aaron was dragged down for what could what could have been a called a penalty. It was not called a penalty. Uh, is it Johan Kapilov, the, the fire defender? Looked like he grabbed Laren by the arm, pulled him down. No call. Um, I mean, I, I'm always the devil's advocate. I, I looked at it and I really looked at it and thought, okay, maybe Laren was actually the one doing the grabbing, and then and Kapilov responded, but it, it, they were grabbing each other. I mean, that's the only thing I could think of that the referee looks at that play and says, oh, you know, they're they're both grabbing. Uh, but having said that, when you see a forward that's clearly being held in the area and he goes down, I, I, I mean, I don't know how you don't call that. And obviously that was a big one, uh, it, it, you know, big, big play there. Uh, if you, if you're, if you're Adrian Heath, you're not happy, obviously that you can't get that call, especially at home. 
Um, but again, you know what? <laughs> Think about how blessed they were last week with the late comeback. And you know what? Sometimes you're blessed and sometimes you're cursed. And, you know, they were a little bit cursed on that one. And uh, I'll tell you what. Credit to Chicago. I gave I gave the fire and I gave Elkoponovich plenty of, of flack last week for their performance against NYCFC. But for them to go down a man early uh, with the Michael Harrington red card, for them to go down a man early on the road and still hold on and get a point, I mean, that's... Credit to them. Credit to them uh, for for keeping it together, uh, and and you know getting a point out of that, getting a point out of that match, and uh, it, it definitely wasn't easy um, when you're in Orlando. You're going up, up against an Orlando team that even though they didn't have Kaká, I mean they still have Kyle Aaron. Kyle Aaron looks like he's ready to have a, an even bigger year than he had as a rookie. Um, but yeah, if you if you're Chicago, you come away from this and you're feeling like you're actually feeling not too bad about it. You know, you're feeling not too bad about about getting a point when when you lose a player in the first half and they had some rookies do do well for themselves i thought jonathan campbell impressed and uh brandon vincent i thought both of them they both played well um their attack is still at least you know what they, they're gonna need more from their attack and obviously you go down a man in the first half and, and it's gonna limit what you can do but they have to be more than just david Akam running at people and david Akam absolutely torched seb hines uh, like he was standing still uh, for the one fire goal, but yeah, we. I want to see John. I want to see more. I want to see what John Goosens uh, is going to give the fire. And obviously, it's only one game, um, so you, you want to give him some time before you go kind of you know, putting a verdict on how good he's going to be. And everyone's going to watch because look, Harry Ship. You trade a guy like Harry Ship, a player like Harry Ship, the the person you bring to, bring him to replace him better be better than Harry Ship. And, and we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but you know what? If you're Panovich, you'll take this. You'll take a point on the road. Uh, you have to start somewhere. Clearly, he's got a, bit, he's got a lot of time to, to, to build this team. Uh, but maybe this maybe that result for them is going to be a turning point. Uh, and now we are off to, we're on to the last match of the weekend. New England and D.C., a 0-0 draw. Uh, really not much to talk about with this one. Uh, D.C. down to their third goalkeeper, uh, Travis Wara started in goal for them and, and it was just it wasn't a great game I, I don't really want to talk about this game I want to forget it as I'm sure anyone who watched this game uh they probably just want to forget uh anything that they remembered out of this game uh I, I mean there was there's just not much to talk about I mean six shots on goal uh I thought Marcelo Sarvis was was pretty solid in this one uh you know when you think about being on the road you're playing a New England team that's pretty dangerous in the attack when you have you know Lee Wynn and uh, Charlie Davies and Teal Bunbury, they, they've got some weapons there. Um, but I don't know. Uh, if you're in New England, you need to you need to you need to be able to create more chances. You just do against a team like DC that I don't think is going to be that strong this year. And and uh, you know Jay Heaps, he he's got some. It's so funny with him. He 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 has he has some good depth in attack. Right when you think about. Uh, we have Lee Wynn, Bunbury, Charlie Davies, Fagundes, Agudelo, uh, and Kellen Rowe. So you're always going to have a couple of guys on the bench that are, you know, pretty, could be starters, right? So this time around, he left Kellen Rowe and Juan Agudelo on the bench. Uh, and then the attack that he started uh, didn't get the job done. They didn't score a goal. Um, so it, that's, that's an interesting one. That's going to be an interesting one. New England... You got to get your three points when you play in DC. You just do. I just think that DC is going to be going to struggle this year. But hey, who knows? Maybe DC, uh, with this kind of you know hard-earned point on the road, gives them something to build on. And 
that's it for the results for the week two. Uh, as we said, lots of surprises. Um, but it's MLS. That's that's exactly how MLS is, as Greg Berhalter pointed out. You know, you can never predict in this league. It's almost it, it, it it's almost more often that when the bet when a really good team plays a really bad team, the bad team wins so much more often than in any other sport, any other league that I can think of. It's crazy. Uh, moving on now, just to some general MLS news. Uh, we did have a trade uh, go down on Monday. Darren Maddox is heading to Portland. And I got to say, I'm not at all surprised by this one. Uh, Vancouver, obviously, it's, he had pretty much worn out his welcome in Vancouver. At one point, it looked like he was going to be sold to China. That didn't pan out. Um, but now he's off to the Timbers. And I know for a fact that Caleb Porter is a big Darren Maddox fan. He 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 sees he he knows him well. He coached him at Akron. He had him for his one season in college, and 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 Maddox was excellent at Akron. And, and Caleb Porter really is is a real fan of his, and he thinks and I, he obviously thinks he can get uh, more out of him than Vancouver was able to get out of him. So, uh, it, I mean, think about that Portland attack. I mean, you already have as fat as much speed as any attack in the league when you talk about Nagby, Aspria, Milano, uh, and now you can throw a Maddox in there? I mean, that's crazy. It's crazy. And obviously it wasn't, I mean, he didn't come cheap, right? He didn't come cheap. But if Maddox gets his act together, I mean, that Portland attack is crazy. I mean, I don't know. Like, it's, it's. I mean, they already have Jack McInerney to come off the bench. And I mean, he scored a goal against San Jose. He's going to be solid for them off the bench. But now you have Maddox as well. I mean, I think, yeah. I mean, you, Maddox and McInerney is, you know, you have those options off the bench. I mean, hats off to them. Hats off to Gavin Wilkinson, man. He's done an excellent job uh, this winter, uh, not only in terms of, of, of signings, in terms of bringing in new players, but also locking up the, their key guys. I mean, you, you got Darlington Agby signed to a new deal. Diego Chara to a new deal. They just announced the signing of Fernando Adi to a new deal. So, I mean, things are things are pretty looking pretty good for Portland, even though they did suffer this loss against San Jose. Um, but that, I, I can tell you, I, I, I'm pretty sure that that, uh, that Caleb Port is, is very happy. Caleb Port is very happy right now that he was able to land Maddox because I'm sure he thinks he can, he can turn Maddox into an absolute terror in MLS and We've all seen Maddox. He has the talent. There's no doubting that Darren Maddox has the talent. He's just a bit of an enigma. He's a bit of a, I like to call him the Jamaican Balotelli, where he's a little, you know, he's a little tough to deal with. But, you know, hopefully he can turn it around as opposed to Balotelli, who's just, his career is just flaming out right before our eyes. But uh, we'll see. If anyone can, if anyone can turn Darren Maddox around, I think it's Caleb Porter. Uh, moving on to another potential move uh, in Cascadia. Hercules Gomez is training with the Seattle Sounders. No one is surprised by this. I think as soon as he left TFC, I think it was pretty, it, it, it seemed pretty inevitable that he would head to Seattle, get be reunited with Siggy Schmidt, uh, not reunited, but uh, be reunited with the Sounders, which he actually played for years ago. Uh, not the MLS Sounders, obviously, but the the. The the pre the pre MLS uh, Seattle Sounders and I know Seattle fans will remember him as the guy who terrorized them in Concacaf Champions League, but you know what he's a guy he he be I think he's I think he would be a good fit for them, uh, you know and again I thought he'd be a good fit in Toronto and that didn't work out there, but you know what hopefully if you if you're Gomez and you know this this could be your this could be it for you this could be your last shot to really kind of you know have one last hurrah in your in your career and uh, 
you know what better place to go in Seattle, a team that I think is very solid. And uh, and you know what, if if Gomez can can show himself to be even a, uh, like a not only an option to to sign, but to start, then maybe you start thinking about Clint Dempsey as a playmaker, playing him kind of exclusively in an attacking midfield role. Um, that's something to think about. But again, it's up to it, it. It depends on what Gomez has left, and that's a question at this point. You have to ask yourself: Is it? Is it? Are we at a point where maybe he doesn't have uh, as as much left in the tank as as you expect? And you know, the fact that TFC lets him go. I mean, TFC's attack isn't exactly look. They're not exactly looking like a deep attack. They're not exactly looking like a team that could afford to just let go of a guy who still has something left and especially in the attack. So the the more I watch I mean I've, I've actually been at TFC's first two games this year and I look at that team and I say how does this team not find a place for Gomez? So uh you know uh, maybe there's more to that but we'll see now. If if Seattle signs him and he actually ends up being a real factor for them, then TFC's got some questions. They've got some uh, they've got something to answer for there because if you let a guy go like that, especially when your attack's not necessarily sh- showing much beyond Javinko, then uh, I don't know. And obviously, Josie Altidore is hurt. Once they get him back, they'll be they'll be better. But that's an I thought. I mean, I thought that was a curious move. So we'll see. We'll see what Seattle does. Moving on now to Americans Abroad, and we have uh, a few new additions to the list of Americans Abroad uh, this weekend. Russell Knus, the Hoffenheim midfielder. Uh, former U.S. Uh, youth national team player uh, was called up to the first team for Hoffenheim and actually made his Bundesliga debut playing 23 minutes uh, this past weekend. And uh, it's, a, it's an impressive uh, journey for him. Russell Furkanus, uh, you know, came over from Pennsylvania. He's been over there for a couple of years now uh, and has worked his way up. And he's uh, the hard work's paid off for him. And now he's moved up to the first team and is an, another American playing in the Bundesliga. Uh, and, and he isn't the only Pennsylvania native there. Obviously, Christian Pulisic is there as well with Dortmund, although he, his minutes have been scarce lately. But still, uh, player, Russell Knus is definitely a player to keep an eye on um, as, as far as a U.S. US national team prospect. Uh, still, a, still a little young, but uh, his time's coming. I mean, he's not he's not exactly an unknown commodity. He's been in the U.S. youth national team ranks for some time now, uh, but obviously he's continued to make progress, and and I think he's he's a he's a special player to watch if, in terms of uh, for American soccer fans who who may not have have been up on him uh, before this, but uh, he's definitely one to watch. And then obviously Perry Kitchen, uh, a more recognizable name. Uh, is made his debut for the Scottish club Hearts that he, he signed with recently. Uh, played 17 minutes uh, in his first match this weekend. So uh, first step for him. Obviously, it's early days there, but you want to see how how things go along go along for him at Hearts and and you know potentially down the road a you know, a chance to play in Champions League and uh, maybe make a move from there on to to one of the bigger leagues in Europe. Uh, step by step for him. Uh, and we'll see how he does. Uh, moving over back on this side of the pond, but uh, heading a little further south, Paul Ariola making his first start for Club Tijuana uh, in a couple of years. His first Liga MX start uh, in a couple of years, uh, and he did well, pretty well for himself for Club Tijuana this past weekend. Uh, I've been saying it for I don't know how long now that I think he's a guy who should be in the U.S. under-23 national team mix. I think he should be in the conversation. He should be on the team. Um and he wasn't obviously a part of the team in their in the qualifying, in the Concacaf qualifying tournament. Um, but he's someone who's been getting consistent playing time off the bench for Tijuana. Now he's broken into the starting lineup for Tijuana. Um, so if you're Andy Herzog, I think you got to kind of take notice of that. And uh, you know he's someone who's 
a, a unique attacking player uh, who can give you some option, give you some quality, whether as a second forward or as a as a player who you can play wide. So uh, he's someone definitely to keep an eye on uh, for sure. And um, in terms of some of the some of the other news involving Americans abroad, we have Julian Green, another Julian Green sighting on the rumor mill. Uh, the latest is uh, AC Milan being linked with a potential move for Green, uh, who's still at Bayern Munich and and who is still not playing at Bayern Munich. He's playing for their for their reserve team uh, in the third division in the in Bundesliga three, or is that the fourth division? Yeah, that's the third division. Third division. Um, but yeah, he's uh, it, it's at a point now. He needs to get some playing time. Um, obviously, Pep Guardiola likes him. It has liked him, but now Guardiola's leaving. Guardiola's going to Man City, and uh, Green is at a point now in his career he's got to play. He needs playing time, and playing for Bundes- for, for Bayern 2 isn't getting it done. So uh, I think the AC Milan link is an interesting one. Uh, AC Milan, obviously not the club that, that, that they once were. Um, you know, maybe it is a place he can find some playing time. If we know anything at this point, it's that, uh, is that he needs a change of scenery. And... Uh, I think he's gotten to that point now, so I'm pretty sure he'll he'll go somewhere this summer, uh, and we'll see. Milan might not be a bad fit. In other uh, Americans abroad conversations, we have uh, Kenny Seif, the Ghent midfielder who was recently uh, linked as, as a potential option for the U.S. national team, uh, an American-born midfielder. He has uh, reportedly accepted a call-up to play for Israel uh, in an upcoming friendly. Uh, I do think that's an interesting one. Uh, when when Safer was first linked to the U.S. national team, he definitely sounded like he was eager to to earn a call up there. Now you know you wonder if he was doing that in order to get Israel's attention. Um, but we'll see. Uh, it, you know, he wouldn't be capped by appearing for for Israel in a friendly. So I don't know if this should necessarily close the door on Kenny Saif as an option for for the U.S. But uh, I mean, I think at this point he's not even worth talking about until. He's in a camp for the U.S. or until he's accepting a call up to be in a camp for the U.S. Uh, he clearly is keeping his options open and um, he won't be kept tied by the by that Israel match. So we'll see. Uh, just keep keep the name in mind and maybe uh, maybe we'll find out in a few months from now what, what where that stands. But I wouldn't hold my breath on that. Uh, I don't think we should spend that much time kind of worrying about every every potential, uh, you know, American eligible foreign player that's out there. So. You know, I don't think anyone's gonna lose too much sleep over over this one. But hey, you know what? It'd be nice if he were in the in the U.S. pool and an option for Jurgen Klinsmann. But you know what? You can't chase these guys chase these guys down. Let them let them you know let them play who who they want to play for. So we'll see. Um, moving on to European soccer, uh, it was a pretty crazy uh, weekend in Europe. Even the you know England, uh, it wasn't a it wasn't a, f- a full schedule. It was an FA Cup weekend. There and uh, we did see Arsenal uh, be eliminated from the FA Cup, and the nightmare season keeps getting worse for Arsenal. Um, and it's crazy to think that going back, you go back to Christmas, Arsenal fans were talking about how amazing this year could be, and now it's looking pretty unlikely now that they have a chance at all to win the league. Um, and now no FA Cup, so uh, Arsenal, the calls for Arsene Wenger's head are are reaching heights that i haven't seen in a long time so maybe this is it maybe the maybe it's finally the end of the road for arson wenger and um if that's the case i'm very curious to see who replaces him because he's been the manager there for so long and he's implemented that a style of play for so long that now i mean if you're arsenal 
do you like go away from that completely or do you try to hire someone who is of a similar mindset uh, of a similar kind of possession oriented kind of attack minded mentality that 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 Wenger had or has um so we'll see you know uh, i think uh, i can see both sides of it i mean i think arsenal i think arsenal Wenger's a good manager but you know what at, at you're ultimately judged in europe you're ultimately the ju- judge by the trophies you win and you, it definitely feels like this is one that got away. That this was a season that our, our, that was there for Arsenal to take a, to to win the league, and and they didn't get it done. And it's even crazier that yes, now Tottenham is in that conversation, and Tottenham is ahead of them now. And if Tottenham by some chance were to win the league, I mean, I think that would be it for for Wenger. I think if Tottenham found a way to win the league, Wenger Arsene Wenger would be gone. But I mean, I don't think that. Uh, I, I think at this point, Leicester City is looking pretty solid. Uh, I don't know if they're they're a team that's necessarily going to collapse, but either way, I think I think Wenger's time is pretty much up. It's pretty much it's hard to it's hard to defend him at this point. Uh, I know he's won his share of FA Cups here and there, but at a certain point, you got to win the league, and, and they haven't done that. Um, so we'll see if they if Arsenal makes that decision. Uh, moving on, we we had some big scores in Europe. We had Barcelona with the six goal blowout. Uh, we had PSG with the nine zero. To clinch still French league, and it's pretty crazy that they've already clinched the league, and it's March, mid March, and they've already clinched their league. It just shows you how, how dominant they are in, in France. And France is not a bad league. France is a pretty good league, but PSG is just head and shoulders above the rest. And now you wonder, now that they've clinched the league, how does that affect them going forward? Now, as they move on to the quarterfinals of the Champions League, um, it's always a little bit of a tricky one because you feel like you know what? Now that they don't have that to play for. Or now that you know that it's not, there's not as much writing on the games in league play. Uh, can they keep their standard up when they don't have that to kind of shoot for during the weekends? Obviously, you can say, well, now they can focus on the Champions League. They can rest guys and be fresh for the cha- for the champ for the quarterfinals for the semifinals. But um, you always do wonder about that about a team having already won its league and kind of checking out mentally in a way. And obviously, last year Bayern clinched their league very early and and there were some questions there as well about you know did that end up hurting them at the end of the day when, when they were unable to 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 make it to the final last year of the champions league when you know most people would have pegged them uh, to make it to the final so you know we'll see we'll see uh, we'll see how psg handles that that early clinching and uh and obviously today is tuesday afternoon uh and uh champions league is is is, is back the, the the remaining a round of 16 matchups are, are coming up uh, starting to starting today but Wednesday is the day uh, I feel like most people are waiting for you have Bayern Munich against Juventus and then you have Barcelona against Arsenal now obviously Barcelona is, is going to be favored against Arsenal uh, to put it away but it should still be a pretty attractive game I mean when those two teams play it's always it's always pretty fun to watch uh, and as far as Bayern Juve obviously Juve was able to get the draw in the first leg but they weren't given much of a chance in the second leg in, in Germany, but it's even less so now that Paolo Dybala is, is going to miss the match and Marquisio is going to miss the match. That's two big blows, especially Dybala. Big blow for Juventus. It's tough to see them winning in Germany without him. Um, so, uh, that yeah, I mean, th- that, those are some th- those are some um, great matchups on Wednesday. So de- it definitely keeps your, keeps your Wednesday uh, pretty packed. So uh, before I close the show, uh, I did ask... Uh, Reader, I did ask uh, Twitter followers for some some questions to send my way uh, to do a little Q and A at the end here. Uh, we got a couple of questions, so uh, I'll, I'll take a I'll answer a few of them here to wrap things up. 
Um, and again, before I forget, um, for those of you who are, have yet to, to, to check out my Facebook page, I have a Facebook page uh, for, for my writing and I do video on there and, uh, it's, it's trying to put a bunch of stuff on there. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, check it out. Uh, just, just, you know, put my name in the search on, in Facebook and you should be able to find it. Um, you'll see the blue check mark on there. You'll see the picture of me with, uh, Jose Mourinho on there. That's when you know you're in the right place. Uh, so check it out and definitely like it. And, uh, I, I do a Q, I do a live Q and a on there every Tuesday. Actually, I'm going to do it in about 45 minutes here. So, uh, you know, going forward, keep, definitely keep an eye out for that. But as far as the SBI show Q&A, uh, here, a few questions here. Uh, Jay Craig Smith, what do you think of US, the U.S. national team using a 5-3-2 setup? Seems like putting our best players in their best positions, that works. Um, I don't see that happening. I don't think we're going to see a 5-3-2. Uh, I think we'll always see a four, you know, some variation of a four-man four, four man defense, uh, whether it's 4-3-3. Four two three one uh, or four four two diamond. I think that's pretty much what we're going to see from Klinsman. I know he experimented a little bit with a three man backline a year ago, but I think he figured out pretty quickly. Like, look, you know, I don't have guys who are familiar with playing those type of systems. Then, and it's it's tough when you don't get. It's not like it's a club team where you, where you have a training camp to implement these things, uh, and it's tough to, to to try to teach that stuff on the fly to players who don't have much experience at all playing in that kind of system so it's it's tough i i I don't see that dramatic a variation taking place uh under klinsman um let's see javier zavaleta how do you think nycfc can fix their defense with rj allen iriola and mena maybe back in the fold uh it's a good question javier i think jefferson mena i think he can definitely be an answer for them in their four main defense i think him and hernandez together can can work. I'm not sold on Briant, to be honest with you. I mean, I know he played wide right in the three last uh, on Sunday, and 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 obviously he caught he he had a hand in both goals that they scored. But uh, I think Mena will help, and I think I think I do think R.J. Allen can help. Although, but look, yeah, I, I think uh, the right back position is an interesting one because Iraola Iraola has the skill, he has the technical ability, um, but just from an athletic standpoint, uh, I think he has struggled. Um, a bit, and that's why he, we haven't seen him take on more of a role. He's definitely a skillful guy. He, he's a very smart player. So, I mean, there's still that possibility for him. I think R.J. Allen is obviously a more athletic player, not as technically gifted uh, as Iraola. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what, what Vieira decides that he, he he would rather have there. So I do think those guys will factor in. Um, and Ethan White. Ethan White's also in that conversation as well. Although I liked, I liked how J- I thought Jason Hernandez did all right for himself. Uh, against Toronto FC, so you know, I think he's someone who should still stay in that conversation. Uh, Chris Davis asks, "Will the Sounders ever be fully healthy?" It, it certainly seems like they're cursed, right? It seems like they just can't—they uh, can't catch a break, or they catch too many breaks. Uh, so, uh, no, yeah, pun intended. Um, but you know, we'll see. I mean, I think at a certain point, you like to think they're going to get healthy, right? And, and 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 then if they keep getting injured and injured and having injuries. You have to start asking questions about is this, you know, at, at a certain point, it's not bad luck. And at a certain point, is it something that they're doing that they should be doing, trying to do differently? Um, so that one bears watching for sure. Uh, Nate M uh, asks, how has Mike McGee never been a U.S., never been given a U.S. national team run, especially considering some of the players who have? You know, that's a fair question. Um, I think at this point, obviously, it's a little late for him. I think it kind of came and went. It's it, the thing with McGee is, I mean, he's an excellent player, no question. 
Uh, I just think in that his, I just think that in the peak years of his, what would have been his, like the, from from an age standpoint, what should have been the peak years for him. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think he should have gotten a call. I agree. I think he still, he still shouldn't. He still should have had an opportunity. Uh, I think there were always questions about how his, how could could he could his game translate on the international level. Um, did he have the, the the physical attributes to to excel on the international level? Um, I mean, there's no doubting from a technical standpoint that he's uh, he's always had the quality. But I mean, I think at that's at this point now, that's come and gone. I think he's at an age now where it's not really it's not going to happen for him. And I think he already kind of lit the he lit the match and burned down the bridge. Uh, I forget what it was that he did. He did something on Twitter. It does not come to mind now. But I think he, I think he, I think he realized at a certain point that you know what Jurgen's never calling me so. I'm just going to napalm the bridge. And that's what he did. So I don't think we'll be seeing him again. Uh, Matthew Waldock. Why will Bobby Wood start for the U.S. in Copa America? If so, alone or partnered with someone like Altidore? Um, mm, good question. I mean, he's on fire, right? He's crushing it uh, in Bundesliga 2. And, and and that's a good league. Before anyone tries to say, no, that's not a good league. That's a good league. That's a good level. Um, I think he's playing well enough to start. And I think right now when you Aaron Johansson is still recovering from his surgery that he had months, months ago, he's not in the picture. Um, and, you know, I, I just don't know who else is really stepping up. I mean, Rubio Rubin's not playing. Um, Jordan Morris is still young. So Bobby Wood's looking like the guy. He's playing with confidence. Um, <clears throat> I think an Altidore Wood tandem is pretty, could, could work pretty well. I think Wood, with the way he, with the runs that he makes and his movement and his quickness, I think he could. I, I think he could run off of Altidore well, and I think Altidore has really developed his hold-up game. The question with Altidore is obviously staying healthy. Um, if Altidore gets injured, or if Altidore is not available for Copa America, I think if you're Cl- if Klinsman, you have to call Clint Dempsey. I mean, I think I think you should call him either way. But if he's actually considering not calling in Dempsey, it'll be hard to do that if there's no Altidore. One way or the other, I think Wood has to get uh, Bobby Wood needs to get on the field just because he's playing with confidence, he's finishing chances, and you know what? He puts himself in good positions. He, even when he wasn't uh, playing that well in terms of finishing his chances, he was always creating the chances. He was always putting himself in those positions. And credit to Klinsman, he always said that he's like, you know what? There's something there because you see him putting himself in positions, and there's something to be said for that. And now that he's playing with that confidence, I mean. You know, there's no stop. There's no, there's no stopping him. And right now, he's playing out of his mind. Um, let's see. We have any other questions here? Uh, Matthew Graham. I've been seeing a lot of loans announced. Are loans okay outside of the transfer window? Uh, well, the U.S. Uh, let's see. Which, which loans? Uh, well, M- MLS is still in its transfer window, so you can still bring in players on MLS's window. Goes all the way into like early May. So you you have all yeah I mean MLS teams have quite quite some time now to still uh, bring in players on loan so that's not that's not an issue for them um, and let's see I think that might be it as far as the questions uh, Matt Bogard can Warren Craval be a do light yeah Mar- Maurice Adu is out for months now Warren Craval you know what he looked he looked good uh, but I, I I mean yeah I mean he I guess he could be a placeholder for them but. Uh, yeah, Marisa Du's tough, tough shoes to fill there when you talk about uh, Marisa Du. Uh, Louis Simos, what is the biggest thing plaguing the Rev, the any Revs attack? Good question. I mean, they have the players. And, uh, again, they scored three goals in the opening week, right? So it's not like they've been shut out for multiple games like, like the Red Bulls. Uh, getting shut out by a tough D.C. defense. I mean, D.C., 
they can make games ugly. And so I don't know. I don't know if it's a question of and the Revs attack uh, being plagued by anything. Let's give it a few games. Let's give it a few games before we, we ask what's wrong with the Revs attack. I mean, they just scored three in week one. So I think it's a little early for that. Um, and I think that's it. That's the question. That's all the questions that, that, that we have now. Hopefully I can make that a regular thing. Uh, and you know what? Even if uh, the hashtag's always there. So if, if you're listening to the show right now and you have a question, just throw me a question on Twitter and put the hashtag AskTheSBIShow. And at any time I do a show, I can just look at the hashtag, see what questions have been asked, no matter when it is, and uh, and then I can throw them into the show. Uh, I definitely can add that and make that a part, a regular part of the show. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think we've covered all the bases here. Uh, that, that's all for now. I de- It is a little lonely. I got to say, it is a little lonely to do the show by myself. I kind of miss... That kind of banter, the back and forth. I'll get my man Paul Tenorio back on. Uh, see if I hit up my man Alexi Lalas to come on. Uh, I wanna, I'm gonna shake things up a little bit, but, uh, but yeah, I think for the next show I'll definitely have someone. Let me see if Garrett Cleverly's doing anything. I think he's he's in full like husband married life mode now, planting vegetables, and it's he's just completely. He's he's gone that whole. He's I mean for anyone who listens, anyone who listened to the SBI show in the early days. It's kind of crazy how how Garrett went from like just like typical bachelor single guy to like completely domesticated married guy. Uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. And uh, and you know what? It happens. It happens. And it's great. I'm happy for him. Um, maybe I'll get him on the phone so we can get him on for the next show. But uh, yeah, if you have any questions or if you have any suggestions, feel free to drop them in the comment section uh, on SBI uh, when when I when this where this show is posted uh, or hit me on Twitter. Uh, at Soccer Bivis, if you want to, you know, offer up some suggestions or critiques or praise or whatever. Um, but we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll try to keep it going. Uh, as I've said before, I am now producing the show, so I I will make a point to have at least two shows a week. And as we start getting uh, guests back on, we'll get into a good rhythm with that because it's definitely a lot easier to to in- integrate. Uh, guests onto the show now that I'm producing it because I can I can do the interview I can plug it in uh, th- it's just a lot easier so but you know we I have to get the ball rolling on that so uh, stay tuned for that uh, and that that's pretty much it on my end I'm uh I'm I woke up really early today I woke up at like 5 a.m. because I went to bed early and now I'm fading I'm like I need coffee I'm doing an SB I'm doing a a, a Facebook Q and A in about half an hour. Uh, I'm dragging, man. I'm dragging. Uh, you know what it is? I bl- I did a I, I did a marathon viewing of House of Cards season four, and that's totally thrown me off. Uh, anyone who anyone who's binge watched a TV, uh, TV shows before, you know, it kind of ruins your whole your whole kind of routine. And that was me this past weekend. I watched like all thirteen episodes in two days. It was like seven episodes one night, six episodes the other. It was crazy. I I do not recommend binge watching. Uh, because, uh, when especially if you're older, if you, if you're like a teenager, if you're like 22 years old or something like that, yeah, you get binge watch because you, you can get by on three hours of sleep. But when you're an old man like me, you need you need your sleep. So uh, I'm feeling it right now. I'm still feeling it. So, but you know what? When you want to watch a show, you got to watch a show. And and House of Cards is is one of those shows for me. I don't know if it's as good as it as it used to be, but it's still pretty good. So so we'll see. It's not it's not in my top five. I'd say my top five right now are. Probably The Walking Dead, Better Call Saul, um, Game of Thrones, even though it's on not on right now. Um, I got to put more thought into this. Uh, what else? Gotham. I like Gotham. It's pretty all right. Um, 
you know what? I'll, I'll put more thought into this, and then the next episode, I'll, I'll give you my, my my full official SBI top five TV shows uh, or favorite TV shows. Not necessarily, they're not necessarily the best, but they're the ones that I watch now. So, uh, if we're talking all time, obviously The Wire is number one on my list. Uh, Sopranos second, Breaking Bad third, and then after that, I'd have to think about it. But uh, I think that's it. I think I've rambled on, on enough, and uh, we'll be back on Thursday slash Friday to preview week three and uh hopefully maybe have a guest on uh and definitely have a, a guest host guest co-host on to join me so i don't have to be so lonely um that's all for now i'm ivis galarsa this is the sbi show